someone else wants to do it, it's like, yeah, let's, let's yeah. talk. And so same thing, right? It was like, you know, 10%, uh, three years, I get it back and I got a portion of the deal. Yeah. And the thing that was, this might be stupid, but the thing that was most appealing to me was I could write off 40% in the first year. Yep. That was the part that was the most attractive to yep. me of all of that. Well, it's, it, if you do a cost segregation study, it's a way that you can depreciate the property under a shorter amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, typically uh, it's getting a little technical, but all right. So, so residential real estate depreciates over 27 and a half years. Commercial real estate is over 40 years or 39, 40, whatever it is. But multifamily is under, uh, it's technically commercial real estate, but it's also residential. So they actually allow 27 and a half years. If you do a cost segregation study, what that means is like you can go and say, hey, this carpet isn't going to last 27 and a half years. It's going to last like four years. So you depreciate the life cycle under, under the first four years of ownership. The trim or these lights or these light bulbs or uh, the ceiling, the roof, the uh, mechanicals, any of that stuff have shorter lifespans than 27 and a half years. So you can front end load all this depreciation and take typically, you're looking at 20 to 30% yeah. of the of the property value um, in that first year. And dude, for somebody with like you, who's a full-time real estate professional, or if you're raising money from full-time real estate professionals that need depreciation, this is a way that you could potentially get away with not even giving them a, a preferred return and saying, hey, instead of writing a, a, a check to the government, why don't you put it into this deal and I'll offset your, your taxes. You, know, you invest 200 grand, but you get $100,000 of depreciation in year one. Yeah. It's almost like free money, you know? And then you exactly got the enough. equity, you got the, the, the cash flow, you got the, uh, and that's just year one. You know, you got year two, three, four, five. So yeah, I mean, it, it can get really sexy, man. You can do some really cool stuff with it. Well, that's, that was what was really interesting about it for me. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh, now, you were talking about earlier, right? Ryan, he started a fund last year. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you know what? I think about starting a fund for NFTs, right? Like I hired my brother. He's going in there. He's just in there. He, we're flipping NFTs. Like, man, be cool if we just had like a, a fund. So I was asking you about it. He's like, well, it doesn't matter what kind of fund it is. The rules are the same. So I want to start a fund. What's the first thing I do? Uh, call an SEC attorney or, or, you know, so, and there's some people who can do it for both. It, there's a lot of people who are like in the real estate space. Some people that I can connect you with. Uh, that's not going to be the same person who creates the fund for NFTs and stuff. Yeah. It's the same SEC guidelines, right? The Securities and Exchange Commission is who, who um, regulates investment funds. In the stock market and everything else. So um, a fund is typically an investment that people put money into and they have ownership interest in an LLC or an S corp or a C corp or whatever. But there's no predictable return on investment typically. And because of that, because they're only secured by the ownership in that entity and they're a limited partner in that, you're creating a security. All right. So anybody, like all the funds are the same and all the guidelines are the same regardless of the widget or the offering, the product that you're selling. So um, there's two big ones, 506C and 506B. 506B is like, hey, I got you know some rich uncles or family members or friends, uh, you know, maybe you know, Harvard and all your buddies have millions of dollars just sitting in the bank account and you can just raise money from pre-existing relationships. That's the key. Prior existing relationships, you can raise money from anybody. That's a prior existing relationship, whether they're accredited or non-accredited. Accredited means they're, they make, or they have a net worth equal to or greater than $1 million, excluding their primary residence. Or 
If they're an individual, they make $200,000 a year or they're married filing jointly, they make $300,000 a year. That's what an accredited person is. So at 506B, because it's friends and family, you can, uh, um, and you have prior existing relationship, you can raise money from both accredited or non-accredited. Or there's a 506C. A 506C only allows you to raise money from accredited investors. But you can go and take out a billboard. You can talk about it on social media. You can talk about it on your podcast. You can talk to people who you don't really know, who you don't have a prior existing relationship with, and you can raise money from those individuals, but they need to be accredited investors. You're not allowed to do all those marketing things on the 506B side. Yeah. So you would want a 506C fund. So that way you can put it because all the eyeballs that you have on, on social media. So um, generally speaking, right, again, say I'm brand new. I want to go to uh, someone I call mm-hmm. on, on a Google, probably pay-per-click <laughs> uh, for an SEC attorney. What's a reasonable cost? Man, I've seen it range anywhere from ten grand to $50,000. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, for, for a real estate and apartment building, like I put a new fund together for every single deal that I do. So I don't have an open-ended fund that's open all the time that you can come and go. I raise money on a per deal basis and that allows me to say, hey, here's the investment, here's the targeted returns, here's what it looks like, here's the timeline of when you're gonna get your money back and, um, and, and set very clear expectations. So. I do a new fund, and because of that, I actually have an in-house attorney just because we do so many of them, right? Um, but there's people who can, in, in the real estate world, that'll do it for typically 10 to 15 grand. Um, so you shouldn't be paying more than that if you're setting up a fund for, for your different real estate deals. I can get, connect you, shoot me a message on, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and I'll connect you with some resources. Um, NFTs, crypto is a newer space. It's more of a niche space. So you're going to pay a little bit more. I'm looking at doing a a crypto fund. I know a lot of people with a lot of money. They want to diversify into crypto. They want nothing to do with following the markets, with opening a wallet, with, you know, all the security things that come with it and all that stuff. So, but they just want to write a check. Let me give you a hundred grand or 500 grand or whatever. So I'm looking at doing that. Um, and I've talked to different attorneys that specialize in, in that type of fund. And we're, most of it's in like the 25 range. Yeah. So let's pretend I have not done the right things. Mm-hmm. Not gone, done the 506C. What are the things that someone's watching is like, they, hey, I'm going to go raise money tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What are the things someone that has not done the right steps should never say on social media? You should never guarantee returns. You should never pitch a deal. If you found out doing those things, and you take on investors without having a federally regulated uh, um, uh, registration, then you you could get shut down. You could one lose a lot of money, get fined like crazy, potentially go to jail if you rob people, and then um, they can they can say, hey, you're never allowed to raise money ever again for anything, any yeah. business venture at all. So don't promise, hey, I'm paying ten percent. Even if it's so, you can you can do that if you're raising money uh, as debt mm-hmm. that's secured by a mortgage. Yeah, but if you're raising it and they're investing into your LLC, okay. So I can say, hey, I, I'm looking to borrow some money at ten percent, but you can't say I'm looking to borrow ten percent to buy this other thing down the road. Or I'm looking. So here, here's the thing, dude. There's SEC attorneys. When I say SEC, they don't work for the SEC. They have uh, knowledge of they SEC. have opinions on it, right? that are very black and white of what you can say and what you cannot say. And what accredited it, all accreditation is pretty clear. And there's other ones that are very gray area of what you can say, you can talk about past deals 
and you can show the returns that you did in the past deals. And you could say this or say that. If it's 506C and you register, you can say whatever you want, dude. And you can say, hey, we're targeting these sorts of returns. We're not guaranteeing these returns, but we're targeting, we're projecting, we're estimating these kinds of returns. Um, if you don't have the paperwork together, then uh, I wouldn't post anything. Dude, I, I just wouldn't do it. It's too too risky. Yeah, uh, You can pick up the phone and talk to prior existing relationships and start having the conversation there uh, because that's a little bit cleaner. Yeah. All right. So talk to your SEC attorney. <laughs> uh, so let me, let's go ahead and, uh, oh, before we don't jump into this, um, you know, You'd posted about an island that you're running, which yeah. I was talking to Caleb about. Mm -hmm. uh, Caleb Pearson. So he's the one that uh, you, you kind of worked that deal out with him. Yeah, dude, I, I find it, and then Caleb gets paid the brokerage commission somehow. And well, that's then great. It's great for him. It's happened three times so far. It's fantastic for him. It's a good deal. <laughs> so <laughs> he sent uh, me nice messages and gifts. So, so um, I had just committed to Stephanie, right? Yeah. And then I see you post this thing about the island, and I show it to my wife. It's like, hey, you want to invest in an island? She says, no, there's we already committed this fund. Like, that's it. You're not allowed to commit any more funds. It's like, but we can but say we own an island. Think, um, my number one question is like, what are you going to do with it? Right. I was like, I don't know. Post it on social media. <laughs> it's an island. Who cares? Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to jump into the questions. Uh, before we do that, guys, if you guys need help with your business at all in any way, uh, reach out to my team uh, on Instagram. On Instagram, just send me a message. Help. And someone on my team will talk to you. You know, we can point you hopefully in the right direction uh, with your business. All right. So first question here. But I syndicated that island, by the way. Okay. Talk about that. I got that. seller financing. Mm -hmm. And then I syndicated it. I brought on whatever, 15 investors at 100 grand a piece. And they each get a fixed return. Plus they get equity in the, in the island. Plus they get to use the island for one week a year. I know. That was my pitch. I for, I, I literally sent that it's post. Kind of a cool deal, right? To my wife. But dude, you got to creatively structure this stuff, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, there, it, it was a no go. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I got like 30 seconds into that pitch. <laughs> um, all right. So on YouTube, Jimmy Vash, uh, if you had to start fresh today, what would your strategy be? What, what would you uh, focus on? Uh, I would focus on those, those key tap, those, those key, uh, prospecting responsibilities finding deals, finding money. Really, I'd focus on those two things. So if you are, if you get really good at wholesaling real estate and you get really good at finding off-market deals and, and negotiating with sellers and uh, um, sourcing those leads, that is a skill set that can transcend any asset class that you're, you're looking to get involved in. That's a, that's a, it's a great, you become a great commodity, especially in this market. Or get good at raising money. Uh, I was on a phone call with uh, one of one of my buddies uh, on the layover on the way here, and all he does he, he has no interest in operating real estate, no interest in finding deals. Doesn't have the skill set for that. But he used to work for Morgan Stanley or something, and has raised hundreds of millions of dollars from high net worth families, individuals, and stuff. And he's like, all I want to do is go and raise capital and deploy it in your deals, Tim. You know, and then he gets a piece of the action because he's raising into his fund. He invests into our deals, we pay him a certain return, and, um, and then he splits his equity with his investors and all that stuff. So it's a great way that you can go and arbitrage, make a spread on other people's money. Yeah, it was interesting, because uh, you mentioned, you and I were also talking offline, right? So we got a mutual, Phil, uh, mutual friend, Phil Green, mm -hmm. right? San Diego, mm -hmm. I, I met him through CHG. Yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, he was saying like, hey, I'm about to do this apartment in San Diego. Do you want to go raise money, <laughs> take part of this deal? I was like, 
Hell yeah, I do. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. You got to be involved in the deal and more than just raising money. Yeah. Like you have to be managing the capital or they invest in your fund and then you deploy it into yeah. that deal because there are certain SEC regulations and it's, dude, it's commonplace for people to just get earn equity for raising money. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Right? I'll be giving you a call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just make sure you do it the right way. <laughs> yeah. I personally, we just watched Office Space last week as a, as a team building event. Mm-hmm. So I would like to stay out of federal, <laughs> you know, prison. It's a good move, dude. It's not worth it. Kai <laughs> Nguyen, uh, how, how do you get over uh, mental hurdles or obstacles you run into? Dude, put myself in the right rooms, right? Like you, you have this, the most important real estate that you will ever invest in is the six inches between your ears, right? It is... It is just standing guard at the door of your mind and only letting good stuff in. Um, dude, everybody in my life falls in one of three buckets. Increased association, decreased association, or disassociation. So whenever I meet somebody, like realize somebody, uh, Jim Rohn talks about this. Like he's like fucking man when it comes to personal development. He's the one who taught all the gurus and mindset guys today. Yeah. Right. He is like one of the most influential people in my entire life. I never met him, but I just consume his stuff. And he's like, he has, he has a, um, an analogy. It's like, if you have a cup of coffee and somebody pours mercury into your coffee, right. And you drink it, you're not going to be okay. You're going to die. Right now. What if it's your worst enemy that pours it. You're going to die. What if it's your best friend that pours the poison in your coffee? You're still going to die, right? Now, what if you have a cup of coffee and you put sugar in and your worst enemy puts that sugar in? You're fine. Or your best friend puts that sugar in. You're fine, right? So life is both poison and sugar, right? Like information is both good and bad. Insights, opinions are both good and bad. And it doesn't matter if it's coming from your best friend or your family member or uh, your worst enemy, you have to understand what's good and what feeds your ambitions, what feeds your goals versus what is draining you and what's going to take you away from that. So when I meet somebody like you who provides a ton of value to your audience and always leads with value, um, I'm thinking I need to increase my association with Steve. I need to pay more attention. And that could be a personal relationship or watching your podcast or following you on social media. That's increased association. Decreased association is typically people who don't totally feed into your goals and your ambitions and uh, those things, but they usually have the same last name as you or your your wife's maiden name. (laughs) And you can't totally get rid of them, but you can limit your association. You can see them at the holidays and, and keep it at that. Um, let the phone call go to voicemail, right? Like, like that's okay. It, 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 otherwise it can be poisonous. I promise. And then disassociation is anybody who's just negative, who just tries to tear you down, pull you down. Oh my God. Like this guy's full of shit or I, I don't believe that dude, I don't have any time for that. Yeah. That aligned with your goals. Dude, delete, block, unsubscribe, get out of that. Right. You only have time for these things. So you realize everything in life can be either good or bad. And everybody wants to add things to their plate. Oh, I need to watch this podcast. I need to do these marketing items. I needed to, uh, read this book. I need to listen to this, uh, um, you know, audio book. I need to plug into this mastermind. You do all these positive things to grow, but you can just as equally grow by removing the negative things. Get rid of the real housewives, get rid of the bachelor, get rid of, uh, the stupid ass television shows that don't feed into your intellect at all. Um, 
get rid of the the you know, the books, uh, or any of those kinds of friendships or relationships that are not feeding you. And all of a sudden, not only are you just growing, but dude, you start exponentially growing when you remove the negative and you add the positive yeah. and that, that spread becomes even greater. It's that, um, what's it called? Um, drag, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, the, in a race car, like yeah. you gotta remove the drag Yep. as you grow. Uh, Luis on YouTube, how do you know when it's time to go from wholesaling to multifamily? Find a deal and you don't want to sell it. You know, you don't want to sell it to somebody else. You're like, damn, I need to keep this one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have access to the capital, then I would start building that portfolio right out of the gate. Um, and you can still continue wholesaling. I know people who wholesale only commercial. I know a dude, I was on a phone with a dude uh, this week, last week. He, he netted, he, he, he uh, flipped $500 million of real estate last year. He kept a hundred million of it and he netted like 50 million, 40 million, something like that in, um, in fees. Like, dude, pretty good year. Not bad, right? If you can do that, you don't have to hold real estate. You know, I can do that. Keep your head down. If the market's that good and you have that type of team lined up, then just do that, and then take your money from that and invest it passively into deals. Right, is is what I would do. And, that's, and I get that from like e-commerce people all the time. Like, I got buddies who have a big e-com stores and they're making millions of dollars, or they have media companies, or they have some other traditional business, and they're like, I want to get involved in real estate too. I was like, dude, you're printing money. As soon as you take your eye off the ball, that's going to come down in how much money you print. And you, there's a learning curve over here. Why not just keep your head down, keep printing money? We're in a very economically driven, like fueled environment right now to make a lot of friggin' money, right? And then just passively invest in deals. Um, you know, I mean, dude, you think back to like 2005, 2006, if you were told that the music was going to stop in 2008, you would have worked harder at what you were already doing mm-hmm. and stockpile as much cash as you possibly can. Now, I don't, we're not in that type of an environment, but we all know real estate's cyclical. And at some point, it's going to stop cycling at the top and start cycling back down this way when interest rates increase. And when, uh, when uh, you know, a bunch of operators who got loans who don't know dick about real estate investing, all of a sudden, you know, get foreclosed on and those deals come back on the market. And all of a sudden, like, there's gonna be things that happen. I don't know what the catalyst is gonna be, but markets are always cyclical. So if you're printing cash, just keep printing cash right now, passively invest, and then to start looking at a new new business when, you know, it's on the downside swing, not the upside swing. Yep. Uh, which answers John's question is whether you can wholesale commercial deals. Hell yeah. Uh, so Justice, what do you feel like are your natural gifts? Um, good question. I, and I think it's an important question to figure out, right? Like when you're, when you're an early entrepreneur, you're like, I'm doing everything. And I realized after I took a disc assessment, if you guys have never done a disc assessment, just Google search D I S C and just fill it out. It's like a 20 question uh, assessment. Have your spouse fill it out. Have anybody on your team fill it out too. And if you do that, it gives you so much awareness to what your be natural behavioral uh, skills are. And I'm high D, high I. In social studies, I'm high I. In business, I'm very high D, which means I care about results, and that's about it. Interpersonal D I is like more interpersonal, where I like to hang out, and have conversation. I've I've Drink realized at one or two o'clock in the morning. What's that? Drink one or two o'clock. Yeah, exactly. In the morning. High I. You're high I too. Um, but when you start building a team, you want to you want to staff out the tasks that are not your, you know, your, your, your driving type tasks. I like raising money. I like finding deals. Um, so like that's a natural state for me. What I found though is the highest and best use of my time is connecting with people like you. 
right? Creating content on social media. This has this multiplier, exponential factor effect. Yeah. Whereas finding another deal or raising another uh, dollar um, is more addition, right? This has limitless reach. This has, um, dude, my best, some of my best friends have come from social media, right? Yeah. People I, I never knew before because I created content, they're now best friends. We go on vacations together. We go to their kids' uh, birthday parties. They come to my kids or hanging out at my, staying at my house. Like that is an intangible, right? There's also a boatload of money you can raise by just telling people what you do on social media. And, um, and you get more deal flow. So by me being here, there's gonna be people watching this who are like, dude, I want to invest, right? So they're going to contact you. They're going to contact me. They're going to contact both of us. Um, and you know, what's cool. Like, by the way, just quick aside, uh, I love connecting with people like you cause you're abundantly mindsetted, you know, yeah. I'm the same way. And, um, I promote people all the, all the time as well. And I think a lot of guys out and gals out there, um, they have that scarcity mindset of like, dude, if they invest with you, they're not going to invest with me. If they buy from you, they're not going to buy from me. How many freaking courses have you bought? A lot. All of them. So have I. I've, how many masterminds are you part of? Many. Same here. Yeah. Just because you join one doesn't mean that you're not going to join the other one. You know what I mean? So it's like to think if you live in that scarcity mindset of not, you know, uh, or just hiding everything, keeping it close to your chest and uh, not sharing, I, I promise you, you're, you're, you're wasting so much more opportunity, right? Like by me educating people on how to invest in apartments, I'm not creating competitors. I'm creating collaborators. Yeah. Future partners. Exactly. Um, uh, so, so I figured out, I have engines that run the deals, acquisit my, my director of acquisitions, the money, my chief investment officer and operations, my COO. By me doing this, I'm the, I'm the fuel that feeds each one of those engines. So you're talking about the scarcity versus abundance. So, we talk about Phoenix and like, you know, there's a lot of players in Phoenix, lot. And, uh, abundant mindset. You're in Ohio, a much smaller state. There's a lot of big players over there too. Yeah. So I've heard, I haven't been there. I've heard you got the same thing going on there. Abundance mindset, sharing notes. You got Mark Evans out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Tiffany High's out there. Yeah. You got, uh, uh, shoot, can't think of it. Um, Dang, I can't think of all these right now, but I know like there's a lot of, of, of players out there mm -hmm. and you're finding that it's kind of weird. There are a lot of players in, in like Ohio. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, guess what? Tiffany high got into apartments. She's like, Oh shit, I don't want to be in apartments. Let me just invest money with you, Tim. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Um, but because I educated and I, she's part of my mastermind, like we hang out and I speak at her events and she, I put her on stage at my events and stuff. Like we have a good relationship. If we didn't, uh, promote each other and we had a scarcity mindset, then guess what? She wouldn't have as much exposure as she has. Mm. I wouldn't have as much exposure as I have. She might not invest in my deals and guess what? And, or, or I wouldn't let her in my deals or, or she wouldn't know about my deals, you know? So it's like, yeah. dude, just talk about what you got going on, share, help. Dude, like if you want money, money is a measure of value. Just like a ruler measures distance and a, clock or watch measures time, money measures value. If you bring value to the marketplace, you will be compensated and you can measure that value with money, right? Because you're providing so much value to other people, the world recognizes that 
and, and they compensate you with money. That is the measure of leading with value. You are an incredible example of that, of leading with value, 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 to the point where you're like, oh shit, I'm getting so many messages from people who need, who need coaching, who need access to capital, who want to get their real estate license, who want to learn about sales. Like, and all of a sudden, you put courses together for them yep. because they're knocking on your door and hammering down your door wanting these things and you're like, all right, let me create it. And then you say, Hey, here's how much it is. And they gladly pay you for it because they know how much value you gave them for free. They can't imagine how much value that you could give them paid. Right. You know, so, but, but understanding that if you want to make money, you don't go and chase money. Money is, you know, Jim Rohn. It's like a butterfly, right? It's very elusive. But if you lead with value, you attract money. Yeah. Jim Rohn's great. Uh, so good. So Darren Hardy is my mentor. Yep. And he's, he's always tight. says that. Is he here? Uh, no, he's in San Diego. Okay. Uh, or San Diego and Miami. Uh, but he always references like my mentor, Jim mm -hmm. Rohn. Uh, and then for those of you guys that don't know, like it was fascinating, you know, like Tony Robbins was an intern <laughs> for Jim Rohn. Wild. Uh, All of them came from Jim Rohn. Yeah. Uh, so BMAC, uh, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but just real quick, if you were to grow your portfolio organically, real quick, summarize it, how would you do that? I'd just start buying deals. So start growing your portfolio. I don't care if it's a single family or it's a four unit or it's a 15 unit, just start buying deals and realize it's not about this deal, right? This deal leads you to be able to do more deals, right? Yeah. So you might go buy a, a C-class property that you don't really don't want to hold long-term, but use it for what it is. It's a stepping stone to get into the B-class stuff. Right? It's a stepping stone to get into bigger deals. You might not want to buy a four unit, but guess what? It's a stepping stone that gets you into the 40 unit building. You know, So just go out there and do deals and organically, like I would just obsess. If I'm getting started, I'd obsess over getting 100 units as quickly as possible. There it is. Simple as that. I, I was just thinking as you were saying this, like, man, how many fourplexes that have gone through that I didn't buy? Um, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Vash on YouTube, who is your mentor? Um, that's the beauty of masterminds. You know, it's not just one mentor. It's many mentors. You sit in a room and there's people I respect from a social media standpoint. There's people I respect from a uh, multifamily standpoint. There's people that I respect from a business knowledge and business acumen standpoint. But guess what? There's other people in the room who might not have as big of a business as I do, but their health is dialed in way better than mine is. Or their relationships, they're like a rock star husband and a rock star dad. And I can get a lot of insights. And you gotta realize like everybody in this world, including the, the, the person begging for cash on the side of, like everybody has some sort of value that they can give to us. We don't have all the answers. There's no one person who has it all. And um, somebody's superior to us. Everybody's superior to us in one way. And we are superior to everybody else and can give in some way too. Yeah, so well, that's the beauty of masterminds. You don't just have one mentor, you have many. Well, and I love <clears> this answer here because someone asked me like, who's your, you know, who, who coaches you? It's like, I don't have like one specific coach, but mm -hmm. literally any problem I have, there's a person in my phone I can call yep. that can walk me through this specific problem. Mm -hmm. I had a major uh, crisis last year and I got an opportunity to talk to four different people, right? Talking about organization and this and that. And not like a five minute call, I mean, this is like an hour, hour and a half in depth conversations. I love it. Because of the rooms that we're in. Yeah. Uh, all right, so. And, and they're just leading with value. Like typically that conversation's $300 an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, And they're like, well, no, just hey, kick it back sometime, you know, or yeah. whatever, you know? So it's, if you just 
put yourselves in the right rooms and develop those relationships, then all of a sudden everything, it just falls in place, man. Yeah. Uh, so Luis, follow-up question. Can you go over your team structure? So you mentioned the high level people, right? <clears throat> what does the rest of the organization look like? Yeah. So everything really, I have, I have four, I would say executives, uh, that everything funnels through one is my director of acquisitions. And he, he does all things acquisitions related, including due diligence, or his team does, including due diligence. Uh, and he handles a lot of that stuff, but he'll bring the contractor out, right? He'll bring out um, our project manager. He'll bring out, um, we have a couple like interns or people who underwrite deals and they'll all go out and do due diligence on these, on these projects, not just financial due diligence, but the physical due diligence as well. All the brokers, you know, go through him. All the wholesalers go through him. That there needs to be one person that everybody you can say, hey, if you got something that you want to bring to us, you got to talk to that person, right? So that's for the acquisitions. And I've seen you do that on social media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I got this. Oh, perfect. Said is my guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I mean, you get inundated, right? And I'm I'm a lifestyle guy. I'm not like uh, I have big ambitions, but not at the. Um, detriment to my lifestyle and having time with friends and family and hanging out. Um, and so, so it's really important to me to like find the who that can do the what, find yeah. the who, who can do the how, you know? Uh, and then there's the, the, um, my COO, he handles all, well, let me go back. Chief investment officer, all things, money go through him. Um, he's an attorney and I just hired another attorney who reports to him as well. And so the, they do all the legal documentation, all the SEC stuff, compliance, making sure all the T's are crossed, I's are dotted on all investors and all the investors speak to them. Like that's all funneled through them. I, I might get people intrigued with the social media post, and then and I might even do like the webinar, but then everybody once as soon as paperwork needs to be filled out, that's not me, dude. That needs to be somebody else who is, is much more de detail oriented than I am. Um, so they're handling that, you know, joint venture partners who help raise capital, capital management, anything like that, um, uh, goes through him. And then my COO, there's a lot that falls on his plate because we have in-house management. So we have like a director of project management, director of property management, director of asset management, and a traveling director of asset management. So we have somebody who actually goes and sleeps in our apartment buildings for three to six months when we buy them. Uh, in order to just implement the right, uh, uh, make sure the contractors doing what they're supposed to be doing, make sure the team is doing what they're supposed to be doing, setting up all the systems and procedures and SOPs and key performance indicators and everything else that comes with it. And so she, that's a new hire too, another six figure plus equity, uh, position that we just hired. So, um, there's a lot of that. And then obviously, you know, there's, there's maintenance personnel, leasing personnel and property managers that are on site at every one of our buildings. So for every like hundred units, we typically have um, a property manager, a maintenance person, and either and then like like a floater, either like another maintenance slash prop, property manager. Or let, let me do this: for every two hundred units, we have a property manager, a leasing agent, and usually two to three um, uh, maintenance personnel. Yeah, cool. Um, Joshua on YouTube, if you had to start all over again with everything that you know. What would you focus on to get your first deal? Um, swinging the bat, you know, making the offer, right? Like everybody focuses on like getting the perfect deal. Again, it's not about this deal. It's about what does taking down this eight unit and this 30 unit and this 12 unit and this two unit and this one unit and this eight unit. This, 
And all of a sudden, what does that lead me to? If I didn't take down that first eight unit, I couldn't have taken down the 12 unit or maybe the 30 unit. Or uh, if I would have focused on finding the perfect deal, I'm still refining my portfolio nonstop, you know, because I'm thinking like, where am I going? What direction? Where am I going to be? And I'm thinking like, I need to take down, I needed to get up to 4,000 doors, but I guess what? I'm selling 2,000 of them right now. I already sold 1,000. I was up to almost 5,000. And uh, I'm selling another 2,000 right now. And I'm going to drop down to like 200 million uh, in assets. But then I'm going to buy really nice stuff, A-class stuff. Like, and so like I knew what these things would get me to. Mm-hmm. And I took action on making that happen. Uh, but you got to swing the bat. You just got to go and take the deal down and just go and make offer after offer. It's a sorting game. It's not a, it, it's like, I don't try to find the perfect deal and I don't try to negotiate the perfect deal. If it's a base hit, I will take down that deal. I don't need home runs. Base hits win baseball games, not mm-hmm. home runs. Base hit after base hit after base hit after base hit. I think they made a movie about that. Yeah. Uh, Phew. <laughs> so, uh, there is a question here about the books, but before we answer, ask, ask you that question, uh, Tim was nice enough to bring in four books for my kids. He sees how much I love my kids on yep. Facebook. And so we made them read these books. And so we got uh, How to Win Class Presidents, uh, Think Big and Go to Baseball Camp, The Power of Positivity, and The Richest Kid in the Neighborhood. So I'm really excited about this. So before we ask you about the books that you recommend, you guys got to check out Tim's book. It is a Amazon best-selling author. <laughs> All right. So what books do you recommend reading? So I'm, I'm a big believer in personal development. I've read a lot of the books and those books are, are based on some of the most influential books in my life. So like uh, richest kid in the neighborhood is based off the richest man in Babylon. Like I love that book. I love the parables in that book. And I've implemented a lot of the personal financial stuff in that book. So you haven't read that, like these are classic personal development books. And I've tried to take those thought principles and put them into children's books. Uh, Another one is Think and Grow Rich. You know, like that is, I was at a mastermind once and everybody's going around the table saying like kind of what their net worth is and how many times they read Think and Grow Rich. And it was directly correlated what everybody's net worth was to how many times they read Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. How about that for wild? How many times have you read it? What's that? How many times have you read it? Uh, so I, I've read the full book twice. And then what I, when I read, I read a book, I take notes on it and I highlight it. And then I create kind of like a summary of it. And do I read that almost every year? So uh, I read it. It was one of the first books I read when I first got into real estate. And then I went and read over 100 books, right? I actually created a PDF. Uh, if you guys are interested in that, comment. Let me know if you guys are interested in that list of uh, my favorite 100 books. Uh, but I went and documented like hundred books I read and how I rated them, right? Like this is a must read. This is a top three, this is top five, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? Let me listen to Think and Grow Rich again. And there's a, there's an audible version mm-hmm. that has audio from Napoleon Hill. So it's actually pretty cool. Oh, wow. So I listened to that again. And as I was listening to it, I was like, if I would have just read this book a hundred times versus reading a hundred different books, I probably would have gotten more value mm-hmm. reading that book a hundred times. And that being said, I've only gone through it twice. Uh, but the other thing about it as well, Cause I've talked to people that like have mentioned like, eh, I didn't really get into it. The funny thing to me about that book is like the number one thing about that book. It was about grit and grind. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't finish that book, like that was that, the that's one. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing the book that's was wild. about. Yeah. It's so, ironic, you know? Yeah. Uh, all Just right. Push through, do whatever you got to do, obsess over it and, uh, uh, make it a point, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So uh, Rich is the Man of Babylon, Think and Grow Rich. I think a highly influential one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. Like that Dale Carnegie book was like majorly impacting for me. So we created uh, How to Win Class President Influence uh, Peers, I think. And then uh, Power Positive Thinking, which was Norman Vincent Peale. Um, uh, Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz. That's another good one. And then Jim Rohn, 12 Pillars. You ever read that? I've never read the trouble. Dude, dude, write it down right now. Type it in. Order as soon as we get off of this. It is like 90 pages, maybe 100 pages. You'll read it in a day, maybe two days. And, and you will highlight almost the entire book. It is so good. Dude, my, most of my life is frameworked by that book. Hmm. Based on the principles in that book. It's so good. And it's kind of like an under the radar sleeper that not a lot of people know about. I've never heard of it. So absolutely. Jim Rohn, uh, 12 Pillars. On IG, Alan Entrepreneur, uh, what's three challenges that you're currently facing in business and or life? Um, good question. Uh, I, I would say, you know, theoretically, joint venturing with students and, and stuff uh, where you can get in new deals that you wouldn't get into otherwise sounds like a really good idea. But then you realize like they don't have experience in that and you have to babysit the entire deal or they want to be the next guru and they just focus on finding deals instead of operating that one. A big key is like if you're flipping real estate, you buy it, you fix it and you sell it. If you're buying and holding rental real estate, you buy it, you fix it and you hold it for a long time. It needs a lot of attention just because you took a deal down doesn't mean you can keep a deal. So I see a lot of people buying, they're finding the deal, raising the money. And they're like, yeah, I got to closing. We're all done. Like, dude, that's when the work starts, right? A lot of work, a lot of work. Imagine renovating 200 doors or 700 doors. That's a lot of work. By finding the appliances, finding the material, finding the supplies, finding the contractors. So, you know, I, I, I kind of uh, mentored people through that. My team mentored some joint venture operators, but then some of them, they don't have the grit, right? And all of a sudden they fall off after a couple of months and then my team has to pick up the pieces. So there's been some of those uh, and a big headache, a r- big reason why I'm selling about 2000 doors because I have uh, partners that just aren't executing on some of them. And then other ones, they're more maybe like C plus B minus areas mm-hmm. where I, I don't want those. It's just management intensive. Um, and other ones, I just don't see myself owning it and holding it for the next 10 years. So I'm like, if I'm not going to hold it for 10 years, I might as well just sell it now, recapitalize, get liquid, and then roll forward. That's the same principle you said earlier about the shiny object syndrome. Yep. Yep. So that, that's probably my biggest um, bottleneck right now is just kind of getting rid of some of those projects. Two of them are a big headache and like not stabilized and kind of not run into the ground, but they're messed up. Everything else is pretty much stabilized. We, we should be able to get top dollar for those, but I got two projects that are a big pain in the ass right now. Um, and then, uh, you know, how, how do we impact more? Right. I feel like, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, they're driven a little bit. I mean, it's not really money though. Money is just a way of keeping score of the value that you're creating. Right. right. So I just keep on thinking like, how can I impact more? I feel like you have some great, uh, um, skills and knowledge and resources. And, uh, you're like, man, how can I get this message out in front of more people? Like I get that a lot too. You know, like how can I help more people? Uh, I truly believe dude, wealth is like sunshine. You know, it's like if we go outside, you getting sunshine takes no sunshine away from me. Right. You making money takes no money away from me. In fact, we'll probably one plus one is going to equal three if we yeah. start working together. You know, I uh, talk about the impact and one thing I, uh, I, I've been meaning to do and I haven't, hasn't gone anywhere yet. Um, so, uh, Jeff Hoffman, he was, he spoke, you know, at, at CG, uh, six months ago and he's got this thing where he's helping, 
uh, inner city youths. And I was like, Hey, uh, let me be your guy in Phoenix, but they don't have anything yet in Phoenix. There's another program in town, right? Like it's one of the bigger uh, foster home communities. I was like, Hey, let me come and speak to them. Talk to them about entrepreneurship. Well, not getting any callbacks. It's like, it's crazy. So, I mean, oh, I'm real? probably going to, uh, I need to start uh, my own charity. And I'm thinking like, maybe that's just going to be the thing that I'm going to do. Like I'm going to raise, uh, you know, for other people to donate and we're going to use all that money to help kids uh, that are, are struggling realize like school is not the only path. I mean, I'm kind of going on this thing where I think school is kind of like, you know, college is a scam. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I want to do something where we can help. So I created a little, little legacy library. Yeah. Because they don't teach those things in school, man. And that's powerful. Let's figure out a way to collaborate, right? Yeah. You do that. I'll, I'll contribute books in some capacity and, and, uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So definitely something that we will talk more about uh, offline. Uh, so, uh, sticks on Instagram has an interesting question. How do you get into a room when you have more felonies on your, than jobs on your resume? Um, dude, I, I don't care where people are coming from. I care about where they're going. And I'm the same exact way. So like, uh, if you think I'm going to, Talk Br- to bro, bring, bring value, right? Like figure out a way how to find deals or how to raise capital. Uh, it's gonna be hard to raise capital if you got a bunch of felonies, but if, if, uh, if you can go and find deals, go and find deals. Actually, one, one of my, uh, I got a good buddy who was in jail for six or seven. He's not a good buddy, but he's, he's a buddy up in Cleveland who, who does real estate. And, um, uh, he's, he's was in jail for six or seven years for like, uh, almost like, um, manslaughter. He didn't kill anybody, but it was like pretty close. And, uh, it came out, couldn't find a job, but the dude was resourceful enough. He goes into, he went into prison and he ended up, I don't know what the, the stipend was. It was like $15 a month to go buy candy and cigarettes or whatever the hell he, he, they do. And he ended up after like four years, I think he got out a little early. So maybe it was four or five years. He ended up walking out of prison with over $20,000. Cause he seller financed his credits to other people. They paid him back double the following month. He walked in with no money, 15 bucks a month and ends up walking out with over $20,000. So if you are resourceful, I promise you the resources are available and you go and make money wholesaling and then you pay to get into a room with this guy or somebody else locally. Yeah. And I was gonna say the same thing. Like the, the past doesn't define you, right? Like for sure. If you, if you want it, Right. If you're willing to put in the work and kind of like you said earlier, right, you were just some 21 year old kid that was willing to hustle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're 21 years old. Right. Like if you yeah. want it and you demonstrate it, you'll find people that will back you. Yep. Um, and then let's see what else is there. Uh, Pace Marby says that you're a legend. So it's not Pace. <laughs> I think he's here. I want to say uh, <laughs> I want to say it in person. I knew he was coming. Tim Broth is a freaking legend. I was on my bro. This has been such a great interview, dude. So good good to see see you. What's up? What's up? My freaking favorite person ever, Steve Trank. Do you guys mind if I sit in here? Oh, have a seat. Have a seat. Bro, so good. This interview is so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jamil and I were watching it on set and I was like, I can't wait to get there. These questions are so good. Your audience is like asking some of the best questions. It's amazing. Yeah, no, they've been really, really and, and, uh, great questions. And I think that questions that we don't really get to talk a lot about. So, um, so the last question here from Joshua on YouTube is what are your top three daily habits? Uh, top three daily habits. It goes back to the, the, what's the highest and best use of your time? Like, think about the questions you're asking yourself, right? Like, the better the questions are, the better your answer is going to be. And it's kind of like Google, right? You jump on Google and you look up Italian restaurants 
And it's going to bring up every Italian restaurant in the country. Or you look up Italian restaurants with five-star ratings that have $2 signs in Tempe, Arizona. And all of a sudden, it's going to narrow it down and give you a much more specific answer. So the better your questions, the better your answer is going to be. And um, I started asking myself, like, what is the highest and best use of my time? Like, what do I need to be doing? And I find out the social media stuff is, is really that. That's that catalyst. So that is one of the most important things that I can do on a daily basis is either post or create content in some capacity. So I'm, I'm on podcasts or I'm creating uh, a, a written post or I'm doing a Facebook live or I'm sitting down with my videographer and just filming content all day, one day a week, and then they cut it up and then deploy it throughout the, the rest of the week. So that's a big key. That's number one or not number one, but in the top three, uh, another one would be vision casting, like, and goal setting for the team, you know, and setting that, um, Here's where we're going, guys. I think it's so important. People always hire for like this role. And, and I don't ever do that. I hire for like the next two roles. Mm-hmm. And when I sit in, when I sit down with somebody, I'm looking to hire them. I'm like, here's what we got going on. What are your ambitions? Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. I don't do I was like, I'm not hiring you for this role. I'm hiring you for the next two roles. I, I'm growing at a pace where there's going to be an opportunity for somebody to take over this entire division of our, of our business, whatever that ends up being. And, um, and that could be you, right? So you're, you're, you're planting a seed that then gets cultivated and then gets uh, uh, harvested, hopefully in three, four or five years. And, uh, and then they have long-term commitment to you as well, you know? So casting that, that positive vision and the optimistic vision, uh, my, my COO, my chief investment officer, and my director of acquisitions were all in Charleston the past two days. And they, they flew up today the same as I did. And we were talking about like, my COO has got a bunch of like, shitty properties and shitty partners, you know, right now that we're dealing with. And I was like, dude, we're getting rid of all of it in the next 120 days. I'm going to dump it all. I don't care if I have to write a check because it's not worth the, the stress that you're facing. We're going to, we're going to get rid of it and we're going to only focus on good stuff. What does it need to look like? You know, I'm letting him give it to you. And now he's like really buying in a long term and he's, he's there anyways, but like, dude, we all go through peaks and valleys, you know, mentally. So casting the vision would be another one. Um, creating the social media content and, uh, yeah, those, those are the two, the two key ones. Right. And then I just time block, you know, I work really hard in the time that I, that I do work. And then I try not to work at all. And I try to just put the phone away, throw it away when I'm not working. So that way, just like we time block for a podcast or time block for a meeting or lunch with a business person, I try to time block with the family too. And so, Hey, can you jump on this podcast at six o'clock on Wednesday? No, I have another appointment. It's with my wife date night. You know what I mean? So, you know, just look at the calendar and, and, putting that stuff out. So, uh, last question for me is, you know, obviously you've got a good organization. You wouldn't be able to make it where you are without it. So how are you finding the best players to join your team? Um, dude, it's like how you find a great spouse, you know, you become what you want to attract, right? If you want loyal people on your team, you got to be obsessively loyal. If you want, uh, people with a good attitude, you got to have a good attitude, you know? And so are you on live? (laughs) And so it's, it's one of those things like you, you attract what you put out there. All right. And, uh, if you, if you want rock stars on your team, I think it really comes down to casting the vision and hiring for, uh, um, attitude. Yeah. I was on a, on a call with one of the masterminds that I'm in four years ago, four years ago this month, maybe five years ago, it might've been 2017. And, uh, one of the guys was at four seasons in Hawaii and was sitting next to Tito Beverage. You know who Tito Beverage is? 
the guy who owns Tito's Vodka. I say, I know Tito's. His last name is Beverage, as crazy as that is, right? <laughs> no, I swear to God. Wow. Uh, my camera girl's name is Cameron, right? Like it's like wow. my dentist's name is White. It's kind of weird that that, yeah. <laughs> that happens once in a while. But anyways, um, uh, and he's like, dude, I'm in part of this mastermind. Will you hop on a phone call with us? And he was generous enough to say, hey, yes. And he hopped on a phone call with like 15 guys and talked for two hours about his story. And we peppered him with questions. And the biggest takeaway from two hours with Tito, who has a massive friggin' business now, was that he goes, I only hired, nobody had the skill set of distilling vodka when, when I was hiring them, right? We had to teach them how to do it, what to do it. So we just hired based on good attitude. And now we, at that time, it was like 300 or 400 employees. He goes, we have 400 employees. And you walk into the, the, the office, he goes, I get chills just because of how amazing of a work, how amazing of a work environment it is. So if you hire for skills, you can train everything else. Or I'm sorry, you hire for attitude. You can train all the skills and everything else. Just make sure you're putting good people on your team. And I attracted people. I, I, you know, I'll give you an example. My COO went to high school with him. He was two years younger than me. I saw his work ethic for almost a decade outside of school. And I brought him in house five years, six years ago. You know, I'm like, dude, he's working two full-time jobs, leaving an eight hour shift to go work somewhere else for eight hours yeah. to then go home, sleep for five hours and then go back to work. Two full-time jobs. Dude, that's insane. I was like, what does it cost in order to get you to come onto my team? And he was like, four grand a month. Fucking done. <laughs> dude, here's, here's six months worth. Right? Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. And so we got him on board. Um, uh, there's a couple of people who have, who have grown with us, right? Just by being in the room with a bunch of growth oriented people, they didn't really have the ambitions early on, but we just kind of made that part of the company culture. You kind of opened their eyes a little bit. Yeah. And, and they, and they eat it up, man. They love it. Um, my chief investment officer, he was my, he, he went to high school with me. He was a year older than me. He, he is my, was my attorney for six or seven years. Um, business attorney like not working for me. And it came to a point where he's like, dude, uh, I can go and raise some money. And I was like, I need an in-house attorney. What is it going to take to bring an attorney in full time? Will you take less salary? Cause everybody thinks like attorneys make a lot of money. And he was like, first of all, they don't make as much money as we think that they make. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, they, they can bring a ton of value. So I was like, dude, can I bring you in? As I was in growth mode, I was like, I can afford $50,000. I'll pay you 50 G's, but I'll give you equity in every deal that I do. And his net worth has grown by multiple seven figures because of that. Yeah. Right. So it's not always about the cash and the cash flow. It's about, you know, what other value can you bring? And that's something that he never had. He had, he was a, um, a consultant essentially trading his time for money, never really building up something sellable. So it allowed me to then partner up with him, bring him in house and do, we've, we've grown like a remarkable team. So he's got equity. I've given equity up to my COO. I've given equity up to my chief investment officer. I've given equity up to my contractor. Now I've given equity up to my traveling asset manager. There's five people who I've, I've cut into my, my equity, not diluted everybody, just Tim's that ends up, um, actually two of them, we dilute everybody, but three of them just came off of my, my equity personally. And, uh, because of that, it allows us to attract better talent and have a longer uh, term mindset from everybody that comes in, you know? Yeah. Well, I, and I appreciate this because this is something that's actually been on my mind was like, how do I give more to everyone that's working in our organization? So I've been trying to figure out how to do it. So more things for me to talk to you about uh, afterwards. Dude, it's like, would you rather have a quarter of a watermelon or a hundred percent of a grape? 
Yeah. There's a lot more juice in the squeeze than a quarter of a watermelon. And you can go in there and, and carve up equity into your team and joint venture partners and get into a lot more deals faster because you're doing that and you're attracting better talent sooner. And, um, and dude, yeah, I mean, in, in my mind, that's the way to go. You realize like Jeff Bezos only owns uh, 11% of Amazon. Yeah. You know, like shit, there's something to be said about bringing in outside capital and, and giving equity to employees. Yeah. So uh, Pace is here. I'm sure he's got some questions, things he wants to know. I do actually. So I'm, I'm actually in his mastermind. Uh, I'm learning from Tim right now. He's a, he's an idol of mine. I love what you're doing. I love that you're also jumping on social media. Oh, you need, media, so you need a microphone. Oh, he's very, very Say it all again in the microphone. Uh, so Tim, Tim, I'm in Tim's mastermind and I pay him monthly. He's, he's super legit. His team is legit. Love them. He's doing a great job, bro. You're doing a great Appreciate job on it, social man. media. Thank you. Um, so right now I'm building my multifamily fund. Um, one, I want to do deals with Tim. That's one of my goals, right? My fund wants to do deals with his fund, which is great. But I also am highly motivated to give my employees a portion of my fund. Mm -hmm. Is there a legal way to structure that properly? Or have you just structured them into your LLCs? Or yeah, how are you dude, it's an, it's an LLC. Just super a, simple. a fund is an LLC that's registered with the SEC. So I'm just giving them maybe B shares? Or yeah, a you just create a new, a new class of shares. Love it. Yep. So you got your investors as your A shares. You can create as many shares as you want. So investors are typically A and then, and then B are either managing members or like a different class of investors. Even if you're, you're limited partners, uh, you know, let's say you have somebody who writes a bigger check you got somebody who writes a million dollar checks and above, you can create a different class of shares. And maybe you can pay them 9%, right? Everybody who's between 500 and 999 gets paid 8% return. And then anybody less than $500,000 gets paid a 7% return. So like you can create different classes for investors and you can create different classes for staff, team, so employees. This, the, the, the challenge I have, Tim, because you brought up something really important earlier about doing deals with students, right? Especially mm -hmm. on the multifamily side. The multifamily side has more moving parts. There's, more, mm -hmm. there's longer inspection periods, way more stuff that goes on up front. Especially with funding and all that kind of stuff. So deals can get really challenging there. But imagine having an employee that maybe you create an employee pool where you say, Hey guys, if you stay with me for over five years, your shares will then vet. Yep. Can I structure those class, whatever shares to do that? Absolutely. I love it. Typically you're going to have to give it to them because there, there could be tax ramifications. So, um, but yeah, you would, you would give them the equity up front. And because if you don't give them and you give, just give them a 1% every year, but the fund keeps on growing and the value of the fund keeps on growing, then you're essentially giving them taxable income and they could have some big tax bill, even though they don't have cash from it. So you want to be careful. You typically would give them the equity up front. And then once, um, and then you have some sort of vesting clause that says after you've been here for five years, you know, maybe they get 5% equity or something, or there's a pool of, you know, 5% of the equity goes to all the employees. And once they're there for more than five years, then they're always locked into that. The other thing is it doesn't have to be one fund. Chances are, dude, you're going to go and open up a second fund and a third fund and a fourth fund. And so as the dynamics change, realize this first fund doesn't have to be the end all be all of funds. Guys out there in the audience that have some sort of ability to raise capital, like a Steve Trang, a me, a Ryan Pineda or whatever, mm -hmm. do we have the ability to come to you and basically leverage our fund into one of your deals. Yes. And what do we call that? Is that called a super fund? Uh, you're thinking like a fund of funds. Like if, if I created a fund, I, I wouldn't need it. If you're bringing the full 
check, mm -hmm. then I don't need to create another fund. If let's say we got a hundred million dollar or two hundred million dollar deal, we're gonna take down some skyscraper in Phoenix, and you're gonna raise. Are you manifesting right now? Maybe. Okay, cool. It's on. It's on my bucket list. Um, and you're gonna raise thirty million from your audience. You're gonna raise thirty million from your audience, and Panetta's gonna raise thirty million from his audience, right? I would then create a fund. You know, typically on a deal that big, we just create one and we'd all figure it out. But um, I would I would create a fund, and then you get a percentage of my fund. Pineda would get a percentage of my fund, and then you get a percentage of my fund. Why and, haven't and we that, done this yet? And that would be a super fund. That that's a fund of funds. We need to create a super fund. We need to, we need to get a skyscraper in Phoenix. <laughs> Why tomorrow. haven't we done this yet, Brats? <laughs> tomorrow. All right, I'll meet with my team tomorrow. Let's do it. Next initiative. Let's do it. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, just going to make a few quick announcements. I want you to leave, think about what you want to leave the listeners with. Uh, guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. The more you guys help us manipulate the algorithms, call it what it is, the more people we can help. So <laughs> I love please. It. Shoot like, straight, man. Yeah, Authentic. so <laughs> help us help more people. And then again, we have our Discord. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, an AMA there. So be sure to check out our Discord. We do have our sales masterclass. If you guys are meeting sellers, but you guys aren't getting contracts, you'll want to check it out. Um, last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? I mean, I mean, it's really just don't get too far ahead of yourself, right? Like don't cross the next bridge when you get to that bridge. Don't worry about it right now. Right now, what you need to focus on is finding friggin' deals and raising money. Just do those two things and do those two things every single day. Don't let these feast and famine cycles happen to you like they happened to me, where I'd have all these deals because I focused on finding deals. And then I was like, oh my God, we have too many deals. Stop doing it. And then we'd renovate them and put them back on the market. And then we have nothing in the pipeline because we stopped marketing. Like you need to be prospecting and marketing for deals and money all day, every day. That's it. That's the most important two things that you can be doing on a daily basis to take down a deal. And then just go and take something down. Like just go take the action, you know? And, and if you're scared, then get in the right room. And, and even if you're not scared, get in the right room because it's going to be easier to find more deals and to raise more money. And I think, I think one of the things that people don't realize is like, if I can just get to that goal, if I can get to 10 million in real estate, if I can do hundred million in real estate, if I could just, you know, do 50 deals a year, 20 deals a year, whatever, then I'm gonna be all set. There's different levels of problems that come with each level of success. Yeah. That's the importance of having ongoing mentorship, right? From guys like these who have every, the experience. Every level has a new devil. Oh, every, oh, that's great. I like that. If it rhymes, it's even more true, right? <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it, and that's a real thing. Every level, there's there's a new level of opportunity. There's a new level of problems. There's a new level of risk. There's a new level of, and you you need good people in your circle to bounce ideas and thoughts off of and just collaborate with. So get in the right room. That's going to accelerate your growth more than anything else. I had someone, we had our workshop a couple of weeks ago and, and you know, we're like, what do you hope to get out of it? We go through it right down to everyone's thing. And one guy's like, I, I, I would love to get to the point where I don't have any more challenges. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're going to have to stop this right here. Yeah. I, I got bad news for you. <laughs> there will always be bigger, yeah. more challenging yeah. problems, but that's the reason why we do it. All right, yeah. So if someone wants to get hold of you. How do they, how do they get hold of you? Yeah. Um, I'll give you all the links, but um, the kids books are littlelegacylibrary.com. Um, my website's legacywealthholdings.com. And then just like friend me up on Facebook and Instagram. Like that's going to be the best place to, to communicate with me. Um, I answer 
my own messages. I know you got so many. I'm, I'm not as cool as you, but you message, you answer messages, you answer messages. I, I answer messages. Like we're good people. Right. And, uh, always, always connecting with folks. So send me like whatever you got, whatever you need. If you need some insights, you need some resources. Like I can typically connect you with a, a YouTube video that I probably did on that or, um, a podcast or an actual person if you're looking for some opportunities like that. So, uh, I got to connect you with some SEC people. Awesome. Thank you, you very too. much. Appreciate Dude, it. Thank you for having me, buddy. Oh, Appreciate all the value that you're always bringing, man. And you're, you're just a, a rock star and, and dude, a shining light in a world that could be perceived as pretty dark. You know what I mean? So we need more leaders like you. Um, and I, I love what you're doing, man, and, and all the value that you bring in. And uh, I wish you all the success in the world. All right. Appreciate that.